You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384 1450. How about the Mercer Bears? The heavy underdogs. And that, my friends, is what it's all about. Good morning, sports fans. We are here. Actually, it's not sports fans. It is basketball fans because that's basically what we're all about today. This is the Weekend Sports Buzz brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. We want to make sure that you all know to get in on the conversation. Oxmoor Ford, Lincoln Buzz Line, 384-1450. I think we're going to be talking all basketball all day today with Haven Harrington, myself, Mike Indolfo, and Shane Stovall. I got these two card fans in here, and I'm going to have to represent for the BBN. But that's all right. We'll we'll be okay, guys. I mean, it's a pretty incredible first two days of the tournament. Man, you know what? The, there's only one way to describe it, only one way, and a famous Kentuckian, Mr. Randy Poffo, said it best when he said, "Oh yeah, <laughs> macho madness running wild over you, brother." <laughs> that's Not- right, Randy Savage. A.K. real name Randy Poffo from uh, Kentucky. Nice, nice drop there. I know, I know. Right? <laughs> it is madness. That's the only way you can describe it. Mercer Even, and all these. I mean, just crazy. My bracket screwed up within ten minutes of tip-offs. Well, for about thirty minutes. I mean, for about a, uh, a half of play and a little bit more into the second half, you thought Eastern had a chance to beat Kansas. I yesterday. did. I was glued to the TV for that one. I mean, that was awesome. And then. Uh, uh, you know, and, and as far as crazy as it's been, we've had all these great finishes. First time ever, we had four overtime games in the first day of the tournament. The real first day of the tournament, I guess I should say, if you want to count the first That's four. That second round stuff screws yeah. me up now. It's, not the, it's still the first round, right? Those are right. playing games. Yes, those are okay. playing games. So we had, the, for the first time ever, four overtime games, but just a ton of really good games beyond that. Now, with that being said, we just heard the clip of the Mercer Bears beating the Duke Blue Devils. Duke's the only top four seed that's out. All the top four seeds still advance. We've got a lot of 5-12 uh, upsets, 6-11. All, all the five seeds lost and except the, for St. Louis. Yeah. And the St. Louis should have lost. Yeah. Yes. And that was actually my next point. The one thing I don't like about this this year's tournament, the games have been awesome. We're not really seeing teams winning games. We're seeing just like dramatic Tiger Woods type just Teams folding in the last two, three minutes of a ball game. Yeah. Well, you know, really, the NC State game was was a, a completely different choke job of, of like all choke jobs ever. They had that game salted away up by fourteen with five minutes to go, up by eleven with three to go. Right? Yeah. All they had to do was hit free throws. That's it. They were like what nine for twenty four. They from the missed free throw line? fifteen free throws in the second. Crazy. Half. They started doing the the hack a pack instead of hack a shack, and it worked. It, it worked. It worked perfectly. You know. And the flip side, you saw UConn who hit all of their free throws, and still they still had a close game, but they put that game away at the free throw line. It amazes me how how many teams and these Division One players can't hit free throws. Can't hit at least seventy percent of free throws. I mean. You would think it's just something that's so fundamentally easy. It's almost muscle memory. You shoot so many, and it just becomes muscle memory. Oh, yeah. And we watch these games, and team after team is shooting 60, 62, 63% from the line. Uh, you know, Louisville in particular throughout the season had some pretty rough, uh, pretty atrocious free throw trips, and that's one of the reasons they won the other night is because they actually hit a pretty good percentage. Well, they did a pretty good percentage, but that's because that – they fouled the wrong. They kept fouling the wrong guys. Sure, they fouled our guards. Who actually are actually a pretty good free throw shooters. When everybody knows, you foul the big man down below who 
Kenny the Bronx have a barn. Well, Montrez hit one of his free throws. I knew the game was over. We had it locked up then. <laughs> <laughs> well, really without the exception of the uh, of the uh, first game, the Dayton-Ohio State game, when V. Sanford, who is a Lexington Catholic native, uh, uh, hits that shot for Dayton with three seconds left to go, we just haven't seen someone step up and make an amazing play. Now, I guess you could say last night when the kid hits the three and is fouled to tie the ball game, uh, in the uh, man, that's, a, that's VCU and that's VCU, uh, VCU and game, right? Stephen F. Austin. Yeah, SFU Under Armour, Under Armour Strong for S, uh, Stephen F. Austin. The uh, upset I picked. Yeah. Well, and uh, and I want to get to that here in a second, but you know, just an incredibly dumb play for someone to even. You shouldn't even be. You shouldn't be anywhere in the vicinity. In the yeah, don't even challenge the shot because if he makes it, you're still up one. And the game's over. He if I'm the coach, him, I might tell the guy, if somebody shoots a three, I want you sitting beside me on the bench taking your shoes off. I mean, there's no reason to be anywhere close to somebody. And we saw that also uh, in, in another one of the games on Thursday night when um, I'm trying to remember which game this was. It was the North Dakota State game in Oklahoma. Yeah. And North Dakota State was dead in the water, and then the Oklahoma the Oklahoma guy fouls the guy, <laughs> just – Puts him on the line, allows him to shoot two. Everything just bonehead. I mean, it was just bonehead moves. Dumb, dumb plays. And so that if I had to say anything about this since the return, which has been amazing because all the games have been close, and they've all been enjoyable to watch, it's the you're not getting the Cinderella type endings. You're getting the, you know, I think like was, I said, Tiger Woods. This is the Walking it? Dead of sports. It's all about survival, <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that's what's come down to. It's come down to nothing but survival. Just survive. The best way you can do what you have to do to win, and move on because really there haven't been really hardly any blowouts except for uh, Wichita State easily yeah. dispatched Cal Poly. That's right. Tennessee had it pretty easy with UMass. They, yeah, Tennessee kind of took it to them. Yeah, they're really good. I mean, I had I, them in the Sweet Sixteen. How about the SEC? I, I mean, I'm not going to say that I don't want Jason, but they got a legitimate shot at having three teams in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, did he do? Yeah. So I mean, because Tennessee's going to get Mercer now, you would think, and uh, you know. You know, I'm not saying that they would beat them, but uh, you would think they got a good shot. I, oh, I feel pretty good. Be favored. After seeing what I saw last week at the SEC tournament from Kentucky and the progression they've made in the last two weeks, I feel pretty good about keeping that Wichita State game where it's winnable. Man, yeah. I don't know what Calipari did, what little tweak he made. Well, I, I do. But it's just working. Yeah, well, I mean, the dribble drive traditionally is four guys on the outside – the post player opposite the ball on the block, so when the guy drives, he can dish. And the four guys don't cut or move. They stand there. Well, all of a sudden, the wings were moving to get open. I mean, that's that, that was what the tweak was. And I guess people just thought it was too simple. I mean, he told you it was simple, and he told you it would be obvious. But all of a sudden, our guys are moving on the wings. They're cutting. They're switching floors. Guys are getting open for They're open trying shots. to get open, and they're opening up passing lanes that were not there. And it's almost like he's went to more. It's... It's almost more of a motion style type deal than it was a, a dribble drive. The one thing he did that I liked a lot against LSU, and I thought it made a big difference because LSU's long like Kentucky yeah. is, he brought his post players up to the elbow and right. started with high. And when they did that, I thought they looked incredible. And then when the guys went back down against Georgia, back down to the block, things got a little bit clogged again. But you saw in that LSU game in the SEC tournament, the the big guys kind of set the tone against Georgia. It was the guards, and then you got a good mix against Florida. Um, but 
the Harrison twins are like, especially Aaron. Well, they're balling. I mean, they're, he's, Aaron it's, is it's like what you started wanting to see. Yeah. Now, to me, I think this is going to be part of the best game of the tournament, the next one between UK and Wichita State. And, Wichita State. and it could be that packed. Be, that should be amazing. Like, full of, I mean, Kentucky fans, Wichita State fans, Kansas fans, and it's just going to be, uh, it, it's going to be incredible atmosphere, I think. You know, Big Blue Nation travels probably better than anybody in the country or, or right up there. So who do you think, let's say some of the idle fans for other teams, well, do they root for Wichita State Kansas or, or going to root for Wichita State. I mean, they're well, on the sure. opposite of the bracket. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's any question. I, I don't think Stanford's going to have a huge no, crowd there one way or the other. Following, yeah. I mean, so I would expect for 30% of the arena to be Kentucky fans or 40% of the arena to be Kentucky fans. I would say Wichita State may actually grab the other contingent of fans. Cause it, I would agree. Just, just because of their close. story and being well, undefeated. Well, and, well, still close. I mean, you're still sure. like, you know, you're right there. It's not too far. That's yeah. the cool part about that, too, yeah. is like you got undefeated Wichita State going against the team that everyone thought would be 40-0 and all that. Yeah. At the beginning. And then, and then you got so this. But to me, the most intriguing part of this matchup is right now you see Kentucky's resurgence. They're, they're learning how to play together. And are playing well together, but you have a team of Wichita State that has a big chip on their shoulder. They feel like they've been disrespecting, you know, even though they're number one seed. Dude, and they're veterans. I mean, that's yeah. what, that's what it scares me. I mean. Yeah, I mean, even though that they are number one seed and they are undefeated, nobody gives them credit for really being number one seed. People still think they're just number one seed because they're undefeated. Right. And you know, and they're like, we've been, we went to the Final Four last year as an eight seed. We we bring back most of our team except for uh, I think a Gardner Ford. We're undefeated this year. Yeah, we we haven't, we haven't played anybody. And Cal Poly still doesn't count as playing. We've somebody. got a Wiggins too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like no, you know we're tired of being disrespected. This is our first big opponent. We got a lot to prove, and I I think that's going to be to me. I think that's what makes this matchup so intriguing. Is it's a good matchup stylistically wise um, for Wichita State and Kentucky. But then you got a you got a group of Wichita State kids who who feel disrespected. And they're out to, to prove well, that I they think, belong. I think the same thing we said for the Kentucky guys. Yeah, right. the Kentuckys have a lot to prove because they had a very disappointing. I mean, they had a, a, a pretty disappointing season. They've got and, kind of a chip on their shoulder, not necessarily the same way as being disrespected because they keep winning. But, but you know, they feel like well, we left so much out there on the table. We had all this preseason hype and and this and that. So, like you said, Mike, they've got a chip on their shoulder. They've got some extra motivation, and now they can be like you said, the team that can bust this whole Cinderella-type story up and give them their first loss. So it should be an epic, epic matchup, I think. ESPN's showing uh, highlights of another just collapse that Providence had up by six. Oh, man. And and blow it, I mean, against North Hate Carolina. Hate to see Bryce Cotton end his career like that. Could have been the first time that North Carolina and Duke would have lost in the first round of the tournament. Would have Cotton finished with 36 points? Not that points. that would have upset me a whole lot. Yeah, 36 yeah. points, five rebounds, eight assists. So... um Going back, though, to what Kentucky's got to prove, the one thing that is really what's causing Kentucky's turnaround is they've committed on the defensive end. I mean, they're playing defense at an extraordinarily high level right now. And Willie Cauley-Stein, I mean, he it looks like he's playing – man among boys. It looks like he's playing against a bunch of, of like, six-year-olds in, on that Nerf basket <laughs> and the way he's blocking shots right now. I mean, it's just tremendous. But, you know, from watching the game last night, one of the things I, I don't understand, and you being a former coach, you'll probably help me with this, I was watching the game, and I was like, you know, why don't they attack the interior more? Because you would think that that's counterproductive to attack UK's interior. You got Cauley Stein, and you have Randall. But, man, the, the guy he had in the center position, he was 
He had moves. Gibson for yeah, Kansas Gibson, City. He, he was a beast. He was a beast. I said, why not keep feeding him the ball? Because the NCAA told him not to because Willie Cauley-Stein was putting dents in the floor. I mean, that's basically <laughs> what was happening. I mean, he was volleyball spiking. It was, uh, it was pretty impressive. I mean, it was impressive, but he was the moves he was putting on there, he was easily juking out Randall. You know, he, and and he was doing a pretty good job, even getting uh, you know um, Collie Stein off his feet, so he can kind of get the layup. But it seemed like Kansas State kept trying to settle for the long three rather than trying to feed the interior post player because he was like really one of the only guys who was actually effective one on one against you know his men. I think they could go on an inside out game instead of trying to go to outside in, which what. Kansas State tried to do most. I think of the Kentucky's games. length in interior defense Just kind of really, almost mentally makes teams think, "Well, we can't really pound it inside. We're going to get shots blocked. We're, you know, we're not going to get any baskets." And they and they do settle for those long jump shots. So, and they can't really go. Uh, they can't really go to towards Randall because the one thing about Willie Cauley Stein, he's excellent at coming from the weak side to block that shot. Oh yeah. And I and I don't know, man. I just I think they're really playing defense at a high level right now. And if uh, Willie Cauley Stein's kind of the key to that whole thing, and that I loved watching Randall last night because I think the SEC championship game woke him up. He that, played like he was mad. Well, he was being, <laughs> he was he's so in the past he's been so disruptive to what they want to do, and we've talked to this at, at length. Almost kind of like he thinks he has to do everything himself, and right kind of messes up team chemistry. It wasn't the case last night? No, I mean he didn't hold the ball too long. It was coming to him. He was getting things that came to him easily. You know, I, Pat Forty was tweeting out last night that Randall's not giving him much, and I was like, "What are you talking about? Randall is actually this is the Randall you want to see. He's getting the points that come to an easy. He's killing the boards. That guy rebounds. Yeah, I don't, like, I don't see how. I don't know where that like tweet no came from. I know. And then he he ended up having a double double last night, and and now has more double doubles than any UK player freshman. Uh, freshman in history. I mean, it's pretty impressive. It's yeah. I think another key to UK, and I actually wrote an article about it a few weeks ago. Uh, Alex Poitras. The more he gets involved, and I mean, when he's on his game, Kentucky's just I mean, especially he when he's hitting from the so outside. dangerous. Oh yeah, when he's hitting from what he hit two two big threes last night, or was it maybe just one right off the in the first five or six minutes he hit one or maybe two. I mean, when he gets going, it's just kind of he gets that confidence up, and because I think he's a tremendous player. I mean, I think he was second on the team behind Noel last year in just about every offense, you know, category points and rebounds and and whatnot. So I think he's a big key to Kentucky's success as well, but doesn't necessarily get all the credit. With Collie Stein and Poitras and, and or uh, Randall and the Twins and whatnot, so I will say Kentucky is probably probably the scariest team right now. If they're clicking, nobody it, wants it, any of that in the tournament. The last piece, you know, I hope Andrew Harrison's not too hurt, which I don't, it doesn't look like he is. If James Young comes around and starts playing, they're they could be a contender for this thing. Yeah. Young's a very underrated player, I think. A lot of people know that he can shoot three well, but he does a lot of things well. I mean, he's a great all-around player that just doesn't really get, from what I hear from people, doesn't get all the credit I think he deserves. I think he's a terrific player, better than just a shooter. Well, I think he's a his passing ability is pretty pretty poor. He is, he's is he been the one that's kind of not committed to the defensive level as much as he could. I don't know. I, I could see where people are kind of frustrated with him. Let's go ahead and get to our first break. We'll come back. We need to talk about an unbelievable Louisville-Manhattan game. Uh, Masiello just coaching his tail off, but then Louisville stepping up. Louisville won a few teams that did step up and make plays. I think we need to hit on those things. So we'll be right back on the You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. 
All right, welcome back, sports fans. Mike Gandolfo, Haven Harrington, Shane Stovall. We're back here on the Weekend Sports Buzz, brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence. And, of course, I want to remind everyone again, the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line is 384-1450. And on the air on that Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line is, uh, I'm not sure who he's cheering for in the NCAA tournament because there's no Indiana teams, not a single team from the state of Indiana in the NCAA tournament. But the truth is on air. Truth, what is going on? There's no Indiana team in the, uh, the tournament. We got the NIT. We got Notre Dame. Come on, man. We, we got we got it. I said the NCAA tournament, Truth. The NCAA right. tournament. A, a, a tournament is a tournament, right? Not the Indiana because they didn't want to go in the CBI. Well, hold on. Hold your horse. So we got Vincennes, uh, University in Oakland City playing for championship. So we they, the the big we're not playing in the big dance. But let me tell you something. I got two things to say to you. Football no, season. Three, right? uh, uh, did you know Jaquan Lyles signed with the Oregon Ducks? He did commit to the Oregon Ducks uh, right after the Derby Classic rosters were announced. He committed to the Oregon Ducks. He did it. He had a press conference three days ago here in Evansville. Right. He announced that he's going going to Oregon Doug. And then the second thing, did you hear about four days ago? Some people in Indianapolis, some booster club in Indiana, try to buy a Tom Crean contract out. Um, I do know from my Indiana sources that there's a there is very prominent boosters on both sides of that issue. And uh, I, yes, because they ho- they hollering for Brad Stevens now. Well, I mean, I you know I don't know if, I don't know if they could get Brad Stevens right I now. Know. I mean, I I really don't. But I mean, I, he's definitely probably the first phone call they make. But if you're if that's the case, I don't think Indiana can make that call until they were for sure that they were having that Brad Stevens was coming in. Yeah, but um, mm. let me tell you something. I'm a, you can take it to the bank if Brad Stevens if Indiana. Uh, Mr. The athletic director, Mr. Glass, go to Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens will leave Boston Celtics' job because one reason, his dream job is to be IU basketball coach. But he doesn't want to be in a situation where he's going to fail, and they've got roster issues. That's the problem, Truth, is that they you have to go to a situation where you can succeed, and the roster issues at Indiana are going to make it tough until they can get some more size on that roster. Listen to this. Brad Stevens lived in Indianapolis, and all these good basketball players going to Michigan and all that. Brad Stevens can do one year in Indianapolis and have a no one recruiting class. Well, I don't, I don't disagree know. with that. So, uh, who you like? I'll tell you who's going to win the championship. Okay. I'll tell you who's going to. I'm tell you who's going to win the championship. It's going to be Michigan State. They're playing pretty well right now, and they're healthy. Dangerous hey, I'll team. I'll tell you what. I'm telling you who uh, everybody talking about Kentucky going to beat Wichita State. That's going to be an arrested game. I think it's going to be a really good game. I'm, you know, I don't want to say that they're going to win because I don't want to jinx them, but I feel like they got a good chance. and I like the matchup. I'll tell you what, I'm uh, Wichita State cannot mess with Kentucky on the backboards. No, they they rebound at a pretty high level, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. Of course. I'd rather them, instead of getting five offensive rebounds, actually score one of them. I believe Kentucky's second in the nation as far as rebounding margin. I think they're like one plus nine point two. Yeah. So. And I tell you what, I tell you what, Wichita State got better than Kentucky ball pressure on the guards, and I think they're going to cost a Kentucky guards a lot of headaches. That could definitely be uh, 
that could definitely be true because and you know just having that kind of veteran presence and having guys that have been there before i think is huge as well so well, with wichita state you know their little point guard van fleet i mean what a tremendous player but I don't think he's been up against anybody with uh, the size of Kentucky's guards and and have and the way they're starting to play defense and get in your face and I mean the way just I don't think he's ever had any kind of uh, defensive pressure like that well, that he that, could put on them so yeah, that could be a big storyline and that was kind of Kansas State's thing too is they were kind of up in your grill kind of defender so I think it was a good uh, a good warm up so well Carolina did you get your, did you get your Derby Classic tickets yeah, uh, not yet, not yet. Hey, you know who surprised me more than anybody in the term Tennessee? They're looking good, and I would feel good for Quanzo Martin, especially. You know, that as soon as Bruce Pearl was hired at Auburn, uh, Tennessee yeah. was putting a target on his back, and they, he responded. And uh, they are playing as well as they could play right now. Uh, uh the Derby t- class is the 18th, right? April 18th, April 17th uh, at Floyd Central's are uh, is our night of the future stars. Uh, when are you going to announce the roster? They're out, Truth. Uh, well, see, you know, I live in Indiana, Evansville. We don't get <laughs> hey, we got, up all of We got a lot of Indiana uh, love. Pigs and Inside the Hall, all those guys picked us up. They, uh, the, the roster is out. The, um, it came out right, be- right before Jaquan announced his decision. So he announced uh, at you, 5 and we announced at 1. Um, uh, did you get, get Mr. Robert Johnson on the team? Robert Johnson and Jaquan Lyle and... Trevon Blewett from Indiana, and uh, who I really like, and and um, and all stars, and Max Holzel. Yes, we got sixteen of the top fifty players in the country coming in. Truth. Oh, oh well, this gonna be the best Dover we had in a long time. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. I just hope people show up and come out, and we'll be a lot of fun. I appreciate what you do to keep the Derby Classic going because we got our own little all star. We can, we don't have to go to Chicago, and I always support. Uh, there, and I'm going to bring Miss Truth this year to the Derby class. So all you people, if you don't want to come to Derby class, come and meet the Truth, and I'll take a picture with you. <laughs> hey, I want to make sure I get a picture. I'll be in there with my Derby Festival jacket on so you can oh. uh, just ask for Mike, and they'll, they'll point you in the right direction. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, you have a blessed day. Thanks, Truth. All right, we actually got another caller, Carolina Steve, and I think I actually called, called Truth, Truth Carolina. Carolina. I didn't mean to do that. Sorry, Truth. But <laughs> Carolina, and I probably didn't mean to apologize to Carolina, too, for calling the Truth to Carolina. Carolina, how's it going? <laughs> okay, I wish I could have got on before the Truth, and I could have ragged him in the fact they didn't want to go to that uh, tournament because of who the defending champ <laughs> in that tournament it is. East Carolina? East Carolina Pirates. <laughs> They did lose the first game, though. But, uh, <laughs> I, I like to rag the uh, Indiana fans about not wanting to go because they might have had uh, been sent home by East Carolina. Well, I'll tell you what. I, don't, I just don't think that was a – I don't know. We, we, I want to talk about that more, about whether or not Indiana should have gone or shouldn't have gone because I just feel like it's a, it was probably a no-win situation for Indiana if they would have gone. It could have only ended up bad for them. I think you're right. I, I'm, I'm just a firm believer in – Get as much practice or play in as you can. So I don't know. That's yeah. a good debatable subject. So what's go- what else is going on, Carolina? How about those Tar Heels last well, night? Pointed out. I made a, a bold prediction yesterday with uh, Bacon and Rashawn because I've got some friends up around Durham, North Carolina, and I told them that Jabari Parker would be back as a Duke Blue Devil next year. He uh, definitely looked like that was a possibility after the game. I still have a feeling that when he gets Two weeks away from this loss, he is 
heading to the NBA. You're going to be the number two pick. You can't get any better than that. I think it's too risky not to go. Well, technically, yeah, you but can, he doesn't yeah. think his game is good enough yet. He thinks that he he could go with another year with Coach K and he could be good. And I'd like to see it because with the uh, freshman Duke got coming in, if him and Rodney King and Suleiman would stay, that they would be number one. Well, uh, there's no question. I mean, adding Jalil Okafor and uh, and Tyus Jones. I mean, those guys, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, just is. Uh, is Justice Winslow going? I know the guy. It's a couple other guys. They 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 would be stacked if Jabari stuck around. Man. I mean, they would be one of the best teams. Could be like figured one of the best teams of all time, especially because you would have Tyus Jones at a point guard, and you still have a senior Quinn Cook. I mean, that's that would be scary. Yeah, I'd like to see that. Uh, I now the one team from the state left, and uh, I guess I'm gonna have to pull for the sons of Smith to win. <laughs> I would never do that. That's what I saw on Facebook. They have a T-shirt that you can order. Yeah. For uh, Carolina fans, it says "Sons of Smith." They had, meaning, they, of course, Dean. There was a guy uh, trending on Twitter yesterday with a different North Carolina shirt on that was not very nice towards Duke. So um, <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> well, you see, that's how come to me the Duke Carolina rivalry is so much better than. Kentucky and Louisville for the simple reason those schools are not seven miles apart. Well, that's true. The gym is seven miles. But they play so much that the one time UK and UVL plays, I think, means so much more because of how much. Uh, how little they. I think they it play. takes a little bit away from it when you've got you know two sometimes three games a year against them. It's you know it's a little bit more on the line, like you say, when it's just one game a year. Possibly two if they meet up in the NCAA tournament, which, you know. And that's a good argument, uh, Carolina, for sure. And I think we would love to have the argument on another day because I, I'll put our UK UFL rivalry up against anybody. And I think we've got better basketball fans in that area, those two. Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> Here it comes. Does Duke, Duke and Carolina have students who camp out to get into the ball games. I've never heard of Kentucky or Louisville. Camping out to get into their big games. I think we have, some fans, uh, that's some UK students camp out for Midnight Madness, right? Well, not only, I mean, no, it's not just <laughs> or Big fans, Blue Madness. It's, every, it's everybody, but they have. I mean, right. how, how many people do you have camp out for a practice? I mean, we have. Uh, Was it ten, like fifteen thousand? The people to camp out for practice. Camp out for practice. Well, and I mean, also, you know, have to remember, arenas are a lot larger too. So yeah, yeah, about sixteen thousand with Cameron. I mean, even is it sixteen thousand at Cameron? No, it's, I think no, it's like it's twelve or thirteen. Than, yeah, twelve, thirteen. It's, it's Cameron is nine thousand five. Now Carolina's big. Yeah, Carolina's yeah. around twenty thousand, but it's it's still. Um, and I don't think we're taking anything away from the Carolina Duke no. rivalry. It is a fantastic rivalry and, and one of the best. But and we may be a little biased, but I think I agree with you, Mike. Like you say. Playing one time a year, it just adds so much more to the outcome. And the fan bases are, especially recently with the, the Final Four matchup in 2012 and, and both teams you know, doing well in tournaments, possibly matching up in Sweet 16 next weekend. I mean, just I'd, I would have to agree and say that the Duke Carolina is a step below. Car- Carolina, what did you think about how classy Coach K was yesterday going into the Mercer locker room? I think Coach, Clay is all, uh, Coach K has always been nothing but class. I'll never forget. He's one of the classiest individuals I have ever met in my life. I'll never forget. I was a freshman in high school when Christian Leitner hit the shot, and uh, and it was Kaywood Leffert's last game. And for him to get on the air with uh, the Kentucky fans right after that shot and, and kind of sum everything up, it, it was really special 
for Coach K to do that. And um, but yeah, it, it, it's just amazing how that guy you know wins with class and loses with class. He, he's a great person uh, to me. He's the greatest basketball coach around today, and he's the greatest basketball coach, maybe second to Coach Wooten. But he has also done something that Coach Wooten or none of these coaches around here have ever done. He's only lost one game in international competition. Yep. Now, are you saying Wooden? Wooden, I think. Wooden or Wooten? Because uh, they're <laughs> I both sure who Wooten was. Yeah, which one Morgan Wooten or, or John Wooden, but they would both be up in that uh, discussion. So, um, yeah, for sure, because uh, Coach K, you know, winning gold medals, <clears throat> national championship, and, you know, you can compare. It, it obviously was very hard for John Wooden to win 10 national championships in 12 years or whatever it was, but. Uh, I think it's a lot tougher for a team to win a national championship right now than it was. So much more parity. It's like we were talking about Cinderella. No, 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 no. I definitely disagree with that for the simple reason. Back then, you had to win the conference championship to get in, and now you don't have to. But you also, I mean, look, he was coming out of the Kentucky, West Coast. Look where Kentucky is now. They, under the old rules, they wouldn't even be in now. I I understand that, but they were also coming out of the West where they didn't have a whole lot of competition. It wasn't like Arizona was on the scene and all these other really good West Coast teams were around. So they didn't have they didn't have a, a really competitive conference where they had to worry about whether or not they were going to win their conference or not. Once you got into the tournament, though, and you only and they would they would get uh, basically put right into the Elite Eight. They only had to win three games to win it. All right. There's so much okay. more parity in basketball too. That's something that uh, people can sit and argue about. But before I go, y'all talk about the uh, Louisville-Kentucky basketball. The greatest rivalry in any sport is Auburn-Alabama, the Iron Bowl in football. Y'all have a good day. All right, see ya. I, I don't. I, that might be true. Yeah, Auburn-Alabama might be the best. But again, they play once a year. They pretty don't tough play, to beat that. They don't play multiple times a year. You know what? On this one, I'm going to have to give it to Carolina, Steve. Carolina, you get my vote of confidence on an Auburn-Alabama game because they have people in the RV Killing trees. camped out two weeks yep. before the game. and They, they literally parked 100 RVs two weeks before the game. Well, and they have people spreading the ashes of loved ones onto the field yeah. after games. So. Yeah, man, that's, that's real. That's it is real. It doesn't I get mean, much I, more real than that. And, well, I mean, what was it the uh, this year, the, the, uh, the Alabama – the Alabama fan shot her sister-in-law because she wasn't upset enough after they lost. <laughs> yeah, since she wasn't a true fan. Yeah, it was messed up. That was that was pretty crazy. Messed up. That's right. almost as bad as eighty-year-olds fighting at a diabetes clinic. There you go, <laughs> dialysis <laughs> clinic. I'm sorry. All right, so we got two great callers there. We got derailed a little bit. We want to get back to the Louisville stuff after the break. We will be right back on the weekend sports bus. I'm really proud of Coach Massiello. He's, as you all know, he was my ball boy, assistant coach, wanted, uh, played for me at Kentucky and, and um, helped me build the program at Louisville. And I knew this. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. 
Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, welcome back. Weekend Sports Club is brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. And uh, we're sitting here, and that was Coach Patino leading us in with uh, talking about how, how well of a job Steve Masiello has. It's going to be interesting to see in a couple of years if Masiello continues to do well. He could be a candidate for both jobs. Actually, yeah. he's already rumored to be uh, the candidate for Boston College. Well, until heard that until one. this morning, right, I changed this morning. Okay, because last time I looked yesterday, he was like rumored as did a Boston College. Yes, he put their name in the hat for that. Who? Jim Calhoun from UConn. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Two things happened yesterday that showed me how the old Big East teams that did not make it into a power conference hurts. Jim Calhoun, you know, obviously he hadn't been at UConn for a while, but he kind of needed to step away because of his issues. Throwing his hat into the Boston College thing. Buzz Williams of Marquette is going to Virginia Tech. Yeah. Bolton. Did not think – could not see that coming because oh, Buzz has just coming. loved Marquette. I mean, it's, he's, he's nothing but great things to say. But, no, you know, so, I mean, but it's a no win. But yeah, no win right. The, the one thing you saw this year, especially with the AAC, was, you know, how the teams were seated in comparison to how you think, you know, how, how good they, they really have been and how the AAC didn't get any respect in football and didn't get hardly any respect by the selection committee in basketball. And right now they're looking like they shouldn't have gotten any respect in basketball. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I mean, but, let's be let's be real. No, that's true, that's true. And then you got the Big East, which is, you know, you got, Villanova is a 2C, but does anybody really think Villanova's like really a 2C? I've no. been amazed at how many brackets I've looked at online that has Villanova, and myself included, has them going out in the second round. So. Almost yeah. everybody has Villanova going out in the second round. <laughs> I mean – you know that's just it's just not what it was, and it's not it's not going to get there anytime soon. Cincinnati, Marquette, Connecticut, Georgetown, they're in tough spots, and for Buzz to leave a place like Marquette, which I've, it's hard to argue that Virginia Tech is a better basketball job than Marquette. Yeah, especially now you got to go into Virginia Tech. You got to. You don't have a. You got to recruit DC. That's that's what you have to well, do. Damage control if you go there. Basically, I mean immediately. Yeah, yeah. You had to, uh, and then you had to recruit DC, and then you had to still be able to to compete with Syracuse, Duke, North Carolina, Louisville, Pittsburgh. I mean, it's like it's a gauntlet. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I just, and he's so involved um, up there in that area. With he's got the Buzz's kids, where he does all these things with the uh, with, the, with the kids and, and charity things. And I just you know really shocked me to see him take the Virginia Tech job, like you say. That's just well, it's one of those things is that. The Big East and the A ten and those other conferences, they're you know, they're they're I wanna say they're dying conferences, but they're dying conferences. Now, I was watching the uh Requiem for the Big East. Or the 30, I haven't seen that yet. I got the gotta thirty watch for it. thirty. And it was almost all Syracuse and Georgetown. But it's talking about how fighting. They, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> fighting and the rivalry and how they started the Big East, how the Big East started making all this money, and it was all predicated on Providence and basketball, because that's what drove the Big East. And then he started to add some football strength. They added Miami uh, you know, Virginia Tech, and then added you know Boston College to get that that football strength up, and then how football kind of tore it apart, and how the Big East still want to concentrate on being a basketball only conference when it's obvious that how you know dominant that football was, right. and dominant, the money, yeah, and how football is the you know the most dominant aspect in college athletics. So no, still, I mean, I love March Madness, but. Football still. Football's where the money's but, brought in. And to be That's fair, you, there, there is a model out there to be a successful basketball-only conference. I mean, look at the A-10, right? I mean, 
if if you could get the Big East, the top Big East and the top A10 schools and sprinkle on some other ones and you got – you That's know, a hell of a conference. You, it would be an incredible conference. A10 is very underrated. They got some really well, good ball clubs. Six teams in the league. Yeah, in the it's I don't know how underrated they are. I mean, well, uh, they don't. They don't seem to get the respect. I think nationally from the well, they experts. don't. They don't because they don't have like the big. Big name, yeah, you know, yeah. the big, the big name names. programs, but that's what's kind of going to have to happen now at the, especially with the Big East and losing sure. marquee coaches. It's going to be hard for Marquette, you know, to replace their coach. It's going to be hard for you know some of these other schools. I you mean, St. Joe's had UConn, yeah, and then UConn pulls it out late. And I, I would, I would have picked St. Joe's to beat Villanova today. I don't know UConn Villanova game. I don't even know what happens. I think so. UConn probably gets them, but. That's a toss up. I mean, I'm like you. I kind of liked St. Joe's and Martelli, and I had them going sweet 16. So, oh so, well, you win some, you lose some. All right. So, you Louisville fans who had to stay up late Thursday night and go to work on Friday morning, um, my employer wasn't too happy with my performance. Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's the way. I mean, obviously, the game doesn't even get like tip off to like 10:30, right? And so, uh, because of the game before it goes to the overtime, it's a nip and tuck game pretty much the whole way. Louisville's got this, you know. Somewhat of a lead, Manhattan makes a little run. But then Louisville all of a sudden turns into the same team that played Moorhead State and couldn't hit a freaking shot until the under four timeout. And then Russ just drains one. Big shot. All net. Big shot. All net. And then that's what I'm talking about. This is, you know, now we're starting to see a team, a veteran team, step up and make plays when they need to make plays. Masio's on the side, you know, a play's called on Louisville, and Masio's on the side. Yelling, they're going to hand off to Luke. They're going to hand off to Luke, and you know all this other stuff. And uh, Manhattan obviously had that thing scouted down to a T. Incredible performance by them. Then Luke Hancock does step up, hits those two threes in the last little bit to kind of seal the deal. I mean, it, that's a pretty awesome win uh, well, to pull that kind of thing out. To me, what what this win has shown is how much growth. Louisville's had from the beginning of the season to now because in the beginning of the season, this is the game that Louisville loses. This is the game. If this was game was in October, November, we're like, here they go again. They're going to choke away a big lead. They're not going to be able to hold it. They're going to lose. But this time they found a way to win. And to me, the other telling thing about this game is that Louisville was, was shooting horribly. Was like 32% for like most of the game. At one point, they were like nine for like 26. I mean, just like – Horribly. I mean, just shooting horribly. About but as bad yeah, as you can imagine. Yeah, about as bad as you can imagine. But they still found a way to win. And to me, that, that's, that's the sign of an experienced team. That's a sign of a championship team. Exactly. They, even when your offense goes horribly awry, you still get turnovers, you get fouled, and you find a way to pull it out and win. And that's exactly what they did. And with the way Louisville plays defense, you know, a lot of fans, and I, I wasn't really worried when we got down by three because, like you said, you got a, a, a defensive, ju- you know, juggernaut of a team in the way when you got Russ Smith, anything can happen. You got Luke, who you know was MOP of Final Four last year. I was uh, a little bit upset, but not really worried, and I kind of figured we would hit some shots and make them come back and win. But I, like Mike said, that was a, a, a tremendous win, whether it was Manhattan or, or whoever. It was it's a great win, and all credit to Manhattan. I mean, Messiella did a fantastic job, and they played extremely well and passed the ball. Their passing was. Very, very sharp. Kind of kept us out of our, our zone defense. So I think that's one thing that kind of threw L off, not getting in that zone. So. Well, even Rick says later in that press clip that we played at the beginning of the segment, and if it goes on, Rick talks about how they don't like playing against the style of defense that they go that they play. They don't like going against it in practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
that it really bothers him, and it showed. I mean, uh, Moss has uh, done a great job. I think Manhattan's a place where hopefully he can kind of move on here relatively soon, whether it's this next year or not. It's not a place you want to get caught there for you know four or five years or right. more. And if he can get that next level job, he's going to be in the contention for for either one of the two schools. I could see, uh, you know, I, I do think that he would be welcomed if he was proven at Kentucky. He'd probably be more welcome at Louisville right now. Uh, maybe the maybe he's the buffer between Rick and Richard. I don't know if there even is going to be a buffer between Rick and yeah. Richard. I mean, right now you'd have to say Richard is at a bigger name school. Maybe Richard's ahead of where Moss is. I mean, yeah, I'd say he's probably a little bit ahead, but. I think Massiola definitely has another the next level job in the near future, I think and so. I think Big Blue Nation would welcome as welcome him in obviously as well. So I think, and I, I, we're probably looking. At, listen, let's be real. We're looking at probably replacing both these guys in the next three years. Three years, probably. Um, yeah. And Nick, I actually I'd give it five at the most, but probably about three. Well, I think it's going to be probably could be quicker for Cal than it is for Rick. So uh, you think so? I yeah, I do. I mean, it's never going to shock me. I'm not going to get upset if it happens. I'm not going to, you know, you just take it in stride. Well, the, so. the 76ers could really use a coach. Well, and that, you know, yeah. who knows? like 20, what, 24, 25 in a row now? Who knows what happens? I mean, I, all I know is that the Kentucky job will age you. And, yeah. you know, I, I, when Tubby was in his second year at Minnesota, he looked younger than he did in his sixth year at Kentucky. He did, yeah, so, he did. And much happier. And, yeah, I mean, without a doubt. And probably there's no question. So, um, but so Louisville advances on. They they got Slu. I don't. I don't really think Slu's going to give them much of a problem. I don't think so. That, that's a, that's a bad matchup for uh, for St. Louis. A very bad matchup. They don't score enough points. Uh, they're a great defensive squad going against a really good defensive squad. But you, you got to be able to score points, and they can't score. And relying on Jordan Jet as your offense is is not going to work. I mean, he's, he's he's a good player, but it's not going to happen because Louisville has like three. Jordy R. Jets that are better. And that, well, they got the the Rob Lowe kid. They get low down, down the middle. Man. He could be a, he could be a, a matchup problem, but you got Montrez going up against him a lot of times, I'm sure. And and even Matthews kind of come around. And, and Van Trees. I mean, Van Trees has stepped up. Big. big hustle is uh, really putting in some work. And one, I mean, I think one of the more underrated uh, or underutilized players on the team. I'm glad he's finally stepping underutilized. up. Underutilized. I I think he's playing his role very well. You know, underappreciated. I don't, he's not even underappreciated. I, I think he's like the worm. When the worm, worm. played for Detroit, I mean, I'm serious. He puts on a wedding dress. The whole nine. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's like when the worm. Is Terry played, Rozier the microwave? Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> oh, I had to think about that one. Yeah. <laughs> you see, you no, know, it's just like when Dennis Rodman played with the Bulls. He didn't have to score. His only job was to get rebounds, play defense, and feed the ball to Jordan Pippen. And whoever else they could find to play that third guard, and he got in the Hall of Fame for it because of it. Yeah, and and that's and that, and that's all Van. That's all they asked Van Trees. He doesn't like if Van Trees had an offensive game at all, like any semblance of offensive game, Louisville would be like a thousand times more dangerous than than what they are now. Yeah, if he could actually had a move or two or one, because his his offense is non existent. I mean, it's just it's just horrible. <laughs> it's not as bad as Mathian. I don't know why you know Mathian can't finish around the rim. He's not. He's a good. He's a decent passer, though. And if you got a, there, there's something to be said about how dangerous a big man who's a good passer can be. And uh, he knows his place. He knows when to do what he needs to do. He doesn't try to play outside of himself, which is exactly what you need that guy to do. Yeah, the hustle. He, he's finally accepted that role of what he needs to do. And how good is he at 
not necessarily even getting an offensive rebound, but getting those taps back out, you know, tapping it back out to Russ or, or Jones or whoever and keeping the ball alive and, and a lot of times getting a, you know, getting a basket on second chance points. So, all right, so we're we're at the end of this hour. We got three minutes. Are are we predicting that next week's show we will be talking about a UK U of L matchup that happened the Friday night before? I don't want to say it's a lock, but it looks good. I think it's a lock that Louisville makes the Sweet Sixteen, but it's going to be an epic matchup with UK with UK and Wichita State. That's going to be an epic matchup because you get. UK is playing the best basketball they played all year, and you have a Wichita State team that's playing really good basketball themselves, with a Mount Everest size chip on their shoulder, out to prove to everybody that they deserve the number one seed. Stop disrespecting us. We came here to play. So it's to me that's going to be the epic battle. And that's if a it, clash of titans right there, buddy. And if it does, does Rick keep his perfect Sweet Sixteen record? That's going to be all. That's going to be right on the line. You got this is going to be so much different than what it was a couple years ago in the Final Four because Kentucky had everything to lose. Louisville had nothing to lose. Hyped up, but you knew Kentucky just had the much better better team. team. Right. And it was, uh, and not that it's totally switched. I mean, both teams got something to lose, but now, I mean, Kentucky's got the victory over Louisville during the regular season. Louisville's obviously playing. You know, at a very high level right now, both teams are different than they were back then. And still, be a tough matchup for you. It's, though. it's it is because we've we've size. talked about it. The length and the size is going to be what could hurt really hurt Louisville. But it's, with SVT and and Harold playing, playing so much hard, better, yeah. I mean, you never know. So, I mean, I, I think we got a pretty good chance of seeing that happen next week. I think we do. I mean, and this city for that week will be. It'll be a completely different field than the last time they the played. The city, the whole state will be shut down. What are you talking about? No, but last time when they <laughs> played, I'm not going to, as a Kentucky fan, I mean, I was nervous as all get out because we had basically nothing to gain from that game in the Final Four. Right. We had a whole lot to lose. And now I feel like it's going to be kind of flipped. The Louisville fans will be a little bit tight in this area. And it's just going to be interesting to see what kind of happens that whole week. I think we're going to see. We're actually going to see the UK and U of L fans kind of be nice to each other. Mm. No, I don't know. I don't know. I bet <laughs> you it happens. Maybe the ones that are related. I could see. I'm just saying. I mean, I, Louisville, Louisville people aren't going to go out of their way to talk a whole lot of smack because they know that there's it's a it's a possibility of losing that game. And Kentucky fans sure. can't talk too much smack because they they're know. the eight seed. Yeah, well, there's also a possibility that Louisville figures it out. Yeah. All right, we're up against the end of the hour, so we got to come right back. We'll talk about this a little bit more. We'll be right back on the weekend sports buzz. You're listening to the weekend sports buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384 1450. All right, we are back for hour two of the Weekend Sports Buzz, brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. If you want to join in the fun, join the conversation, we're going to be talking college hoops for the remainder of the show, 384-1450. This will be mainly about looking forward to the weekend ahead and trying to see what we got. So we talked early in the show, besides Duke getting knocked off by Mercer and that little uh, kid from Mercer teaching all of middle America uh, what the nene is. 
for the first time. I, I got to learn what the nay nay was yesterday, and I'm pretty in tune. I mean, you know, I was you're pretty hip. You're I pretty was, hip. And, I, and I didn't know what the nay nay was. I was, you know, but then I saw him, you know, pull it out after the game, and you know, he was getting down. Of course, he he got famous on social media twice yesterday for dancing, but then he that vine got loose of him uh, falling over on the Quinn Cook crossover. He oh, got yeah, abused. Yeah. So, uh, but you know what? Sore. They ended up winning in the long run. So Duke's the only top four seed that's out of the tournament. So now we're moving on. We've got a lot of chalk of the top seeds there against a lot of the the middle of the road seeds. And, and we were going to get to this a little bit. Eight nine, not an upset, right? No. Now, I mean those seven ten an upset. Mm, Maybe you know, a little bit sometimes. I mean. Not much. You know, it, it seems like nowadays with the way that tournament has gone. The only really upsets are four seeds and higher. Like if you could take out a four seed or higher, that's an upset. But like the five twelve, that's almost come like you know, a, a standard. That's, that's yeah. like a standard upset now. So we, I mean, in the and to that point, generally the twelve seeds are the last of the um, at large teams. So the teams that you know, the 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 thirteen seeds and and back are almost all smaller conferences winners. Right, yeah. there are no at large teams. So. We really only had one upset yesterday, if that's what I hear you all say. Or during the first round, we only had one upset. One real upset. I mean, I would agree with that. I mean, yeah. I, think, yeah. I think the other upsets were kind of predictable, and they just happened to mostly all come to fruition. I mean, that's pretty much what I we mean, saw. Let's be honest with me. How many people had Cincinnati beating Harvard? I think like every, besides you, <laughs> besides Shane. But, uh, but like every ESPN analyst, everybody on CBS – Everybody in Sports Talk Radio had Harvard beating Cincinnati. That's for, that's exactly why I picked Cincinnati. <laughs> well, you're exactly right on that, too. I had Harvard and Once, erased them. I was like, you know, I'm just going to go against the grain on it and, and go for Cincinnati. But. Well, that's because usually when everyone's talking, the one upset that everyone talks about, it's usually the one that doesn't happen. Right. And all the upsets to me that have happened in that first round are ones that people talked about. Dayton, Ohio State, right off the bat. You got a, an in-state school who Ohio State won't play. Right. And – they got a humongous chip on their shoulder, and they're coming out of a pretty good conference. I mean, that was a predictable upset. Like we've already talked about, Harvard over Cincinnati was a predictable that upset. Tennessee and UMass. I mean, that's the way you Tennessee's been playing so, so well lately. Is though, top that's not much. In the yeah, that's not much of an, yeah, uh, of an I mean, upset. Seed-wise, I guess it is. If you had, if you could put a, if you clarified an upset due to the line, the score, what would you, what would you put that threshold at? You know. Double digit? Yeah, seven, eight, nine, ten points. Yeah. I mean, considered to be an upset. And there's probably won a lot of those because the parody, like we've always talked about, was all was pretty was pretty similar. So I you know, I don't know. I mean Duke to me was really the only so you know, a real upset. So now we've got we move on to today. All right. We've got a great day of basketball starting off at noon. Starting off with what I think this game could be amazing. Florida, Pittsburgh. Florida. I mean, if you got a team that could really cause Florida troubles, Pittsburgh's a, yeah. it's going to be Pittsburgh's Pitt. a good matchup. And they've been playing some really good ball. The Pitt has, yeah I, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think they. This is a this is definitely a game that Florida could and, be uh, in and Florida's been kind of I don't, I don't want to say sleepwalking, but ever since they they had like that ten point lead against Kentucky and kind of held it forever, and then kind of just kind of salted away the pass like the last couple minutes of the game and just barely pulled out the victory for the SEC title. And even in a first-round game, they didn't look sharp. You know, like yeah. like the crisp Florida team that you've seen early in the season. They and struggled with Albany. I mean, Albany well, gave them all they wanted for a lot of the game. Here's the thing that I think is uh, is somewhat makes Florida dangerous that people are starting to take away. 
is when Scotty Wilbekin has the ball on the wing, he likes to attack like the the free throw line area, right around the free throw line area, and then immediately get the ball reverse or pass and get that uh, and get that three shot off where they look to dump it immediately into to either Dorian Finney Smith or Patrick Young, or whatever. Patrick Young, by the way, in person is a large. He's a very large, large human being. Yes. <laughs> um, so people are starting to take off that drive lane for him, <laughs> and. Um, and that's that's causing them trouble. Now, Wilbekin's been stepping up and hitting some shots too. But you know, I I think they're vulnerable right here. We and actually and Pittsburgh's a physical team that can get in there and get physical with you know, with Florida's big guys. And you know, it depends if ball. they start shooting lights out and, and play like the they big did the East ACC ball. Yeah, there you go. They take the Pansy Conference and the Tough Conference, and they play some sort of in the middle. They still play pretty tough. That Syracuse Pitt game was a big East throwback. Right? Yeah, it was. It was it was a bruiser. I loved it. We actually got a uh, caller on the line. Tony Montana, we'll say hello to our little friend. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's going great. What do you got for us today, Tony? Well, I'm I'm hoping the cards uh, are not listening to your show and jumping ahead of St. Louis. <laughs> you guys, uh, you guys seem to think that's going to be a pushover. Um, you know, they did play Wisconsin within six. Um, it was back in November, of course, in Mexico, but they also played Wichita State within five at home. That's true, yeah. And they did they did split with Dayton. Uh, but this this is not a team to overlook and I'm I'm afraid that, you know, uh the the cards are gonna look at that bracket and all they're gonna see is Kentucky and Wichita State. Well, I mean we're not the only ones. I mean there's a nine point there's a nine point spread Vegas on seems that thing. to think so. Yeah. Let me uh, Tony's a friend of mine, he runs the sports nomads uh, forum on red and blue fans dot com. Gotcha. Uh, big big UVL fan, great guy. Tony, appreciate you calling in, and, and I don't think it's that we're looking past St. Louis, so to speak. It's just looking at the matchup. It's a it's a very favorable matchup for the Cards, and just kind of I don't know, dreaming a little bit of that that Sweet Sixteen matchup, hopefully with UK, and so you kind of have to look back a little bit. But I, you know, it's not something that we're just saying. You know, it's a, it's a guarantee. I mean, nothing obviously nothing in in March Madness is a guarantee. Just ask Duke. So absolutely, yeah. What's a parody in today's game? Uh, Anything can happen. And I'm, but I am sure that the Louisville Cardinals are listening to our radio show as they do pretty much every morning, you know, there you one, go. right before the game. So they, well, uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like it is a very favorable matchup for Louisville as well. I, I think that, um, you know, St. Louis can be a little turnover prone at times. Louisville's going to get out there and force turnovers. This is the one matchup where I feel like Louisville could actually have an edge on the backboard. I say, and St. Louis does not rebound very well at all. I mean, everything that uh, Louisville doesn't do well, St. Louis does worse. So, um, you know, and I they Wait, they have played I agree with Louis- that. Go ahead. Yeah, I agree with that. The cards definitely, you know, when you look at at their abilities and and, and their shortcomings, yeah, they're they should win this game. I think you'll see Louisville, too. We didn't pass the ball very well. We didn't get very many assists in the Manhattan game. I think you'll see Rick right. really get into that, and, and I think that you're going to see really good ball well, movement. And when Louisville's almost unbeatable. When they're moving the ball and they get 17, 18, 20 assists a game, I mean, they're they're really, really tough. So. Most teams are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a key part yeah, of the game. Especially, especially when Louisville speeds up other teams and it seems the more chaotic the game, the, the more in favor of, of Louisville it is. Right. We, we, you know, when it comes to Louisville and St. Louis, it's like boxing where they say style makes fights. And in and, and, and basketball, you know, matchup makes the games. And this is just a very, very good matchup for 
your University of Louisville Fighting Cardinals, the Beak with Teeth. Right. I'm trying to remember the kid's name. I was going to tell you all a St. Louis Louisville story. Um, when I was a when I was at Louisville and um, and my job when I for Louisville's basketball team was during the game, I had to sit on the visiting team's bench, and like if they needed anything, Fun. I was there for them. Right. So Charlie Spoonhauer was the coach at St. Louis, and unbelievably funny guy, great guy. But I got to sit on some pretty awesome coaches. He's fun to watch on the sidelines. Yeah, he <laughs> he is. And I'm trying to remember who was the who was the stud they had in the mid '90s. He was a freshman, also went to the NBA. Uh, really highly recruited player. Man, I can't believe. Yeah, it. I know you're blanking about. on me. But whoever it was was guarding Marcus Maven was guarding him on the outside on the wing. The kid just couldn't get open. And he ended up just hitting Marcus Maven right in the freaking balls. <laughs> I guess I can say that anyway. Yeah, well, he just did. He yeah, did. just did no matter what. But he, <laughs> he fell over and like uh, it was it was hilarious. But uh, you know, I, so they're gonna hopefully Louisville will get some revenge for Marcus Maven and <laughs> uh, and and take care of business today. So that's that's an old grudge. <laughs> that's um, right. well, but guys, what do you say? You think that the selection committee loaded up the Midwest just to see how? really good Wichita State is? I, I think that's definitely true. I think they did a little bit. You know, I've, I've heard some different shows and different people chiming in talking about all kinds of different conspiracy I, theories. I think and, it's about selling tickets. I, th- but, I think it all comes down to just selling tickets. Yeah, because yeah, they did those matchups. And those, yeah. They yeah, did but, those matchups across the board. You know, they were trying to set up a Nebraska-Creighton matchup if they could have came to fruition. I mean, they were there was all kinds of ma- – you know, like we talked about the Dayton, Ohio State. Right. There was those matchups across the board. It's all about trying. Uh, to I think they did a pretty good tickets. job of doing that in every region. Too. And you know what? I don't have a problem with it. I know some people do have a problem with it, but it makes it that much more interesting. It does except for the West bracket because, unfortunately, the West Coast is is a dearth of good teams out west. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say that it's not. It really is. I mean, it's it's, it's horrible. You have San Diego State, which gets a lot of love, and Arizona well, and gets a lot Arizona, of love. And, UCLA. And, he, and, the, and Tony mentioned Wisconsin earlier, who I don't know how good they are. In Wisconsin reality. always chokes in a tournament. They have yet not to choke in right. a tournament. It's amazing how good of a coach Bo Ryan is and how good Wisconsin is year after year, and they choke every year. They you know, they just can't seem to get over the hump. So. Well, Tony, you got anything else for us? No, guys. It's great talking with you. All right. Thanks for calling. I'll I hope you call again. I'll hit you up next week. All right, great. Okay. Good hearing Take from care. you, Tony. Take care. Yeah, that West, that West bracket, I mean, you got Arizona now playing against Gonzaga, who I think they're going to handle no problem. <laughs> It's going to be interesting to me if we get an Arizona San Diego State matchup in the in the Sweet Sixteen because San Diego State's that team that's kind of looking for respect. I know? wouldn't put San Diego State over North Dakota State just yet. I mean, that's, I, I wouldn't that's either. A really good ball. Club. I said if right, I said right. If. But I think that could be interesting, and you know, you might end up getting, you know, Creighton Oregon matchup would be Creighton Oregon or even nice. Baylor makes a run in through this thing. I mean, I, it wouldn't none of that would shock me, but none of those. I don't look at any of those teams outside of Arizona and say they can win the national no, title. See, to me, the West bracket is all about a toss-up. Every team in that bracket, from the 13th seed to the one seed, I think, could probably beat any other, any team, other team in that bracket. It's just, you know, it's just a lack of that 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 killer all-around team that that's that's out west, and it's just, I don't know. Is it to me that's one of the hardest brackets to pick, only yeah. because of the super parity. Right, that's in that bracket. I think there's that's, no real that's power. my worst bracket. There's no real power. My, oh yeah, so or that's my worst region. And I've actually, I, I kind of went with a surprise. I put Creighton in the Final Four. I mean, when you got an offensive team like they are, and Doug McDermott, I mean, he's a phenomenal player. And like you said, there's so much parity in the West. And with, I mean, Arizona losing Brandon Ashley hurts them 
tremendously, it and they're still still though, tremendously they, talented. They still got Caleb Tarzewski and Aaron Gordon. Yeah, they still got a lot of talent, but I don't know. It's like Haven said, it's just so much parity in the West, and a, a lot of those teams, and it's it's a coin flip, you know. Any of them, I wouldn't be surprised to see Oregon go the Final Four out of there, and it's you just don't know. Oregon uh, ended up didn't they end up winning the Pac-12 tournament, uh, or did UCLA? UCLA. UCLA, UCLA won it. Um, so. So, yeah, I mean, that's going to be interesting to see. The West, to me, is wide open on there, too. All right, so we kind of talked about Pittsburgh Four. We talked about Louisville-St. Louis. Uh, the third game of the day is Texas-Michigan. You all so, buying with Texas is Because, to me, this is, should be like Michigan. I, no, it looks, on paper, it looks like Michigan runs away with it. But I don't know. I think Charlie Strong gets his wish. Texas <laughs> goes home, so it all concentrate on him now. The media can just be on him. Right before <laughs> spring game, everything. That's right. So, I, the other thing that's going to be interesting there is, is – to see if Rick Barnes is back in Texas. I think there's a chance that he may or may not be back in Texas. Yeah. Um, going on, then we, we just touched on this a little bit, San Diego State versus North Dakota State. People are going to be watching this game because they want to see if North Dakota State can do it again. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, San Diego State, you know, it, it's got some guys that can really play and some putting up some high numbers. And um, to me, uh, like I said, if, if they get through this one, they could be the one – challenger for Arizona that I could yeah. really see being tough for them. Uh, Dayton and Syracuse. We get Syracuse is just it's interesting matchup. Is not playing well right now. No, they're not. I mean, they they really struggled the last half of the season. I mean, they just kind of fell apart. It kind of makes you wonder what what is going on there to cause such a huge turnaround because, I mean, they were almost unbeatable. Well, they were for 24 games, I guess it was. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any question. I mean, they got two of the best players in the country with C.J. Fair and Tyler Ennis. And and then all of a sudden, uh, and they seem to have all the pieces too. It's just I don't know what it is if uh, if playing the way they play just takes a lot out of them or or what. So, but Syracuse should be Dayton. I, I, yeah, I, 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 I Dayton, feel pretty comfortable. Dayton's so, a great team. They did beat Ohio State, but I think for them being Ohio State was more like you said before. You, Ohio State refuses to play any of the other Ohio teams because they're Ohio State. And they feel they don't have to. You know, Dayton is like what the the third redheaded stepchild in the state, <laughs> if you will, like the third cousin removed that happens to be redheaded and a stepchild of his parents. Now you know I'm married to a redhead. That's not even that's not even right, man. Uh, you are, aren't you? I forgot about that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know, because I mean, there's UC, which gets no respect at all. I mean, even in Cincinnati, UC doesn't get in in respect. I mean, you go to any mall in Cincinnati. You it's cannot all Ohio find, State. It's all yeah. Ohio State. You can't find any Bearcat stuff anywhere. I had to go to the campus store. Or and they to, still have Ohio State stuff in the campus store. They I'm do. Sure. Yeah. No, no, honestly, I think maybe, they do. I think maybe Urban Meyer calls in those foot lockers and whatnot and says, you know, get all your Bearcat stuff <laughs> off the racks. I mean, it's, it's really pitiful. I mean, I've seen more UK stuff. At the, I'm, I'm honestly, <laughs> I, I know. I've, I've seen more UK stuff at the Cincinnati foot locker than I've seen, like, Cincinnati Bearcat <laughs> stuff, which is really sad. So, it is. You know, for Dayton, that was like, we slayed the giant because we can't do no football, but we can we can get you in the hardwood, and I think they're they're done. You didn't see it as much. Like, I don't gonna, think there was. But they either. come out of that good conference, man. They come out of the A ten. I mean, I think it's a great yeah. conference. But when Huggins was at Cincinnati, I mean, there was Cincinnati apparel everywhere. Because Huggins played thug ball. Yeah, That's right. I mean, Huggins had this. He had the scariest looking basketball teams ever. We got we got to break down three more games. Uh, we'll do it on the other side of the break. We'll be right back on the weekend sports bus. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. 
Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. I'm a girl I want to dig. Oh, wait. We're on the air. All right. Can you say dig out on there? I think, yeah, so you, you just did. Yeah. You dig out and balls have been called today. Uh, but, you know, that's uh, that's our favorite Ice Cube song right there. You know, at least my favorite Ice Cube How song. can it not be? I mean, it's it's unreal. So, uh, we're going back to the brackets of the games today. And, you know, every game is going to feature one of the top four seeds. So, the last three we had to talk about, Oregon-Wisconsin. Not a game that really excites me a whole lot. 7.45 start. And then... Uh, Wisconsin is the typical Bo Ryan team. Uh, they, I do love Sam Decker. He's on their, uh, you know, he's he's an electric player. But he doesn't have a whole lot around him, in my yeah. estimation. But they play smart. They play together. Fundamentally sound team. Where's you out with defense? I'm going to take Oregon sight unseen. I've never seen Oregon play at all this year. You haven't seen once. the Oregon floor, their court? Oh, it's I've hideous. seen the court, and I don't like it. Oh, it's I mean, awful. The, court, the court's horrible. It, it gives me, like, nightmares. It's You almost think something's wrong with your TV. I thought it had cataracts. It yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. You're going to take Oregon sight unseen. I'm going to take Oregon sight unseen just because, just because. All right. And then uh, we have Michigan State and Harvard. Uh, give me Michigan that could State. Be a, I mean, Michigan State is scary now that they're, they're healthy. healthy. And he was holding people back. I mean, he was he was basically he was getting everybody ready for this tournament. And, you, you know, you, can, you can't go against Izzo in the tournament. I mean, he's proven his success there. And you can't go healthy. against Izzo, especially in the second game Regional of the weekend. Finals. Well, yeah. No, so anytime he's on, he's on that short, I mean, on the short preparer thing, he his record is ungodly. He's a, yeah, he's a master at getting teams ready for well, on the such a short term. Yeah, right, if yeah. you're going to beat Izzo, you're going to beat him at the first round, the Sweet 16, or in the first round of the Final Four. You're not going to beat him the other way. I, I do like Harvard, though. I like what Tommy Amaker's got there. I mean, he's got a he's got a great ball club, and he's a, the a lot are, better coach than I thought the he was going to be. The nerds are going home. Yeah. Tommy Tommy Amaker's got three seniors, two juniors, and a sophomore that he really plays. They've got a people don't know this, but they've got a kid last year who was a a top hundred recruit, Zena and Dowsman, only plays four minutes a game. I mean, they this team is. I should tell you something. Yeah, it's not like this talented kid came into Harvard and is just doing whatever he wants to do. This team's good, and I think they could give uh, Michigan State fits, but I think Michigan State's gonna. I think in a chess match, it's it's all Harvard though. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's chess match. Izzo to me is the, is the best X's and O coach in the game. In he's the really game. good, yeah. But bar none, he's the best X's and O coach. I I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. All right, and then another game, the the nightcap. I probably listen. I'm not even gonna stay up for this thing. I'm not gonna lie. You UConn and Villanova does nothing. The snooze for fest. What you mean, man? It's like a Big East battle royal. The the old Big East. Not really. One more. Not time. these two teams. But they're UConn they're not the and, typical. And Villanova. Yeah. I mean, Villanova's like. They're two seed, man. They're they're supposed to be good. <laughs> they're supposed to be good, exactly. That's right. But Jay know. Wright says they're good. All right. Well, let's just look at this. I want to look at it this way. So we got we got eight games today. Top four seeds or uh, a top four seeds in every single one of the eight games. Who are the teams that are playing today that you feel have a chance to win it all? And which are the te- who are the teams that you feel are the most likely to get upset? Uh, the teams that can win it all. That's that were playing today. Easily, University of Louisville and your Florida. You got to put Florida in there. Florida and Michigan State. Yeah. What about Michigan? I think Michigan make a deep run, but I don't see them. I'm uh, not sure they're a championship team. I don't think they're a championship team. If I had to choose three, I cho- I would agree with the three you were saying. I would say Michigan's kind of in that gray area. And so, I talked about with a friend yesterday. Mitch, they're talking about Mitch McGarry possibly at some point in the tournament making it back. And my friend brought up the the point that 
it might not be a good thing for them. They've learned how to play without him, and if you insert him in there, maybe they start focusing on him, and it messes up the chemistry a little bit. Well, I don't me, think that really. Well, to me, the problem is like, what kind of shape will he be in? Yeah, like, what, what kind of basketball shape? Yeah, it's, especially it's tournament shape. That yeah, will, will he be in if he just comes in the game? I mean, work on a treadmill and practice—that's one thing. Yeah. But being in the game, being challenged, having to exert yourself is completely different. And once your body fatigue, your shot goes. You tend to get a little sloppy on defense, which will open it up for whoever they're playing against. So I would, I would I honestly, about, at this point, keep him yeah. out. I think about all he could bring to you is five fouls and maybe a couple boards, maybe a few minutes, you know, of somewhat okay defense, couple rebounds. So I mean, I guess he could help you, but I'm not sure I would bring him in. All right, so I think I know Haven's answer to this. Which one of these top four seeds is most likely to get upset today? You're going to go with Wisconsin, right? Yeah, you're going with Wisconsin. All right, uh, uh, I most would, likely to get upset. I got to go with Wisconsin too. I think. Yeah, because Oregon is—I mean, they're—they're they're kind of a tough matchup for Wisconsin. They're—they're they're team speed, and they've got—they've got a little bit of a length and, and some shooters. So Oregon's going to come out with these day glow yellow uniforms and just blind <laughs> Wisconsin, <laughs> highlighter yellow. That's right. All right, we got a call on the line. We're going to get to the to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line three eight four fourteen fifty. If you want to join in, Minnesota Card is there. How you doing, Minnesota? Doing great. What do you yeah, got? Uh, know you from the. Uh, Sports this nomads is another sports forum. nomads guy, Minnesota card. Yeah, yeah. all right. Yeah, I'll, yeah, that, yeah. J- just so you know that that is my real name from birth. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, it's actually Milwaukee. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I, no, I'm in car. Yeah, name, real name David Hammer, but I live up here in Minnesota. Been a cards fanatic. Hammertown cards. Slow. Exactly. Moved <laughs> to Kentucky when I was ten years old. And my friend told me I had to choose between Louisville and Kentucky, so I chose Louisville at that time, and ever since been a fanatic. So good um, choice, good choice. Um, <laughs> my my, I guess my my concern. If you've read any of my posts on our forum, I I really honestly I love love Louisville. Want to see him win every game, but I don't want to play Kentucky again as much as I would love to see Louisville beat Kentucky. I really think that would pose. A huge matchup problem of all the other teams I've seen in the tournament. I just don't like what I what I think would happen in that game. So I'm curious how you guys what you guys well, think about that. I think it's a you're legitimate exactly right. concern. Yeah. I mean, I think I think there's no question. And I'm a Kentucky fan that Louisville is a better basketball team than Kentucky right now. But Kentucky does is not a good matchup for Louisville in any, fights. in any way, shape, or form. You know, and it's uh, it's just not it. it you know, it would be another great game, but if I was a loyal fan, I would. That would be my biggest concern too. I just would not want to play a team who's that athletic and that long. Up until a month ago, I didn't want any part of a rematch with Kentucky, and now I'm kind of on that side where I wouldn't be as concerned or as nervous. Well, sure, you're always a little bit nervous because you don't want to lose to your rival, and especially in March Madness, not twice, right? But now, you know, within the last month, I've kind of gotten a little bit more confidence if that matchup happens that, yeah, you know, we do match up a little better because basically of Montrez playing much better at down low and Stephen Van Treese, you know. But it's not up. the post length that I think Louisville is worried about. It's, it's the guards. Guard their big guards is, is a major problem as well. But Yeah, I mean, I think that was, uh, you know, I thought what you saw at the end of the UK U of L game in the first round was how tired Russ was by having to go against a yeah. much longer and taller player. Now, Russ is a lot more athletic. Than those guys, but just the length and and you have to create an even greater passing angle. You got to create. I mean, 
there's just the you got to do a little bit more having and, to go around that extra little bit of length really wears well, you down. Yeah. Well, well, to me, I, I think what really wore Russ down was the fact that because Louisville wasn't hitting outside shots, he took it upon himself to just drive, and it was just him saying, "Okay, we're not hitting these outside shots. I can create offense by going one on four." and trying to break down their defense and then dishing out. Of course, he would dish it out. They would miss the open shot. So after a while, he was just like, I'm just going to I'm gonna drive. So really what it comes down to, if Luke Hancock and is, is hitting outside shots and Chris Jones is able to carry his weight because he was kind of non-existent in that first round. Well, and the first yeah. game too, Blackshear. Blackshear yeah. got tagged with those two Early fouls. fouls. Come on now, and they were fouls. One was, one was legit. I think it was his second one. I, I, don't, I am so sick and tired of <laughs> hearing Louisville fans think that Kentucky has this unbelievable home court advantage with the referees because it's the exact opposite. Well, you know, no, you, I didn't say that. You guys did I, get to shoot technical free throws even before the game started. <laughs> well, that wasn't in Rupp Arena. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just going to say, Blackshear would be a – he would have to be a huge factor in that matchup. He's got to step up and play to the, to the level that he can. And him getting taken out in the first matchup, I mean that that hurt Louisville not having him in there. Do you know? Do you think the team knew what was going to happen to Shane Bahannon when they played? Yes, the team knew. Uh, they knew. I don't Shane, think I knew I Shane knows. I think Shane kind of. Well, he even said Shane, it yeah, in an knew interview. He, he failed the drug test. Oh, Shane knew he, that's what happened. He yeah. didn't know that he was kicked off. Yeah, well, he, he knew he was. In, he, he knew he was. No. He knew he had to meet with Rick. He, he knew he was in gone. trouble. I think but he knew he was gone too. Yeah. I think he was gone. I think he read between the lines. Where knows he is gone? Did I say that out loud? What's that? I did. So you guys were paying attention. I didn't even see what you, I said something. I, I said, know. like, Shane knew he was going, just like, where no, he is going. Yeah. Because yeah. where's not coming back? He's, he's tweeting, so he's definitely gone. I mean, yeah. there's yeah. no question. Yeah, he's he not coming back. the lines and figure And, out. you know, let's be honest. Everybody on the team knew that Shane was going to be there at the next game. I mean, this, it was it. Everybody, everybody knew he was gone. Uh, now, Louva, I think, has figured out how to play without Shane, without the other, quote-unquote, big man uh, down below. And, you know, if they play Kentucky again in the Sweet 16, the only thing that Louisville has going for them, because matchup-wise, th- this is a bad matchup. Well, it's a bad matchup with Kentucky with anybody yeah, really in the country. It's, it's, it's a bad so matchup. Size. The only thing that Louisville – one of the things that Louisville has going for them, undefeated in the Sweet 16. Rick Pitino has never lost in the Sweet 16. They just have to put your faith that the Harrison Twins have an off game, that they revert back to the Harrison Twins of November and October. And, uh, well, let's not forget those Harrison Twins – are the ones who kind of carry Kentucky to that victory. I mean, Randall goes out with injury, and the Harrison Twins yeah, are kind of the ones who stepped up and made yeah. it happen. And so. they kind of hope that they they kind of had an off game, or they have an off game, or or if Louisville has a hot shooting night. It was one of those things where Chris yeah. Chris Jones gets hot, Chris Smith gets hot, and he's knocking down trees. And Chris Smith gets hot, we're good because he's like in the NBA yeah. DL or something. But if Chris I don't Jones think we can bring hot, him we're back. in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's ask Minnesota card at, at what's your question of the of the four seats? Who's your uh, who's your pick? today that could win it all and then one of the teams that could be upset and, and put out? Wow, that's a that's a tricky one. Well, of course, I guess starting with the Louisville game, of course, everyone knows Louisville has to beat St. Louis. It's just got to happen. And then um, let's see what else we got on the slate today. I'll, I'll, I'll switch back to my uh, – I was looking at your bracket on our tournament, by the way. Yeah, you got Florida and so Pittsburgh. Kicks it off a little bit afternoon. Um, Oregon and Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, North well, Coast State, San Diego State. I think you guys are talking about it. I always seem to pick Wisconsin because they always look so good in Big Ten play, and then they always lose in the tournament. Um, although I did have them in my bracket, so I guess i got to stick with them. I'd love to see 
the Pittsburgh Florida game should be a really a lot better game than people might think. It's gonna be a dog fight. I think that's the best game. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Not sure about Texas Michigan just because Texas um, bad bad history in the tournament, kind of like Wisconsin. They don't seem to bring their A game there. And then, of course, up here, North Dakota State is a big story because they have some local kids uh, from the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, I believe, at least one starter on their team. And uh, they, you know, that, could, that could be an interesting game, too. Not very exciting nationally because uh, you don't have well-known people, but it should be fun. And then a lot of people up here were talking about Harvard giving Michigan State a battle. So that's, that would be interesting. I'd... Uh, I always root for upset upsets as long as it's not the cards being upset. So <laughs> that sounds good. I kind of do. I got her. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I, yeah. And then uh, I think uh, you guys were probably talking about. But I think I think I think UConn over Villanova. I just familiarity. Connecticut better. You know, they're not. They haven't been great, but they're better than I think a lot of people think. And I just don't trust Villanova in the tournament either. So I like UConn because of Shabazz so, Napier. Obviously, he's yeah. Kind of he's. Almost like a, I don't want to say a poor man's uh, Kimball Walker. But you just did. He but is. yeah, I just kind of did. But he, he is a, <laughs> a poor man's Kimball Walker because Kimball was that next level yeah. talent. And he's like right underneath that next level. I mean, he he's good, but, you know, he's not quite like Kimball Walker, ninja assassin good. Yeah. Uh, and that to me, the, the key for UConn is how well DeAndre Daniels plays down low. So he he's kind of the guy to me that has to set the tone for them. Well, uh, if he doesn't, they really if he doesn't hit that three – the other night, they probably don't get in past trouble. It. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I really appreciate you calling in Minnesota, and I hope you call back in. Appreciate yeah, I will. And uh, one, one, one last thing: shout out for Gorgie Jang making his way here at the Timberwolves. He had a great game the other night. So. That's, we yeah. were talking anyway. about that during the break. He's had a couple double doubles, and he's got himself a Nordstrom commercial. <laughs> so that's uh, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, thanks a lot. Have a great day. Gold cards. All right, appreciate it. Okay, well, we're up against it. We're gonna. We got one more segment to go. We'll be right back on the weekend sports bus. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, we are back here on the Weekend Sports Buzz. Mike Adolfo, Shane Stovall, Haven Harrington. This is the uh, our last segment of the day. Getting ready for some basketball action. It all kicks off, or tips off, not kicks off, tips off at 1215 with uh, Florida taking on Pittsburgh, which I think will be the best game of the day. We just kind of talked about yeah. that. Uh they, the game, the games today are okay, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna sit back, enjoy, watch the, watch basically basketball from twelve to twelve. Good day, make a pot of chili, and uh, sit back and watch ball games. You know, yeah. I, I Tell wish my kids I could rub watch, my feet. You know, uh, I, I wish I could watch a whole day of basketball, but you know, Daddy does what Daddy has to do. So I have to take an L, <laughs> so I can go and uh, go to a birthday party. And of course, I'm taking another L. So I go watch Louisville's football scrimmage today. So, yeah. well, that's you know that's, that's good. And then maybe after next weekend, you can just concentrate on football season. Is what we're kind of hoping. Oh, I don't man. think so. I don't think so. I, I, I think it's uh, it's going to be the brawl for it all. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. I, and you know, whether it's Kentucky playing Louisville next week or Wichita State playing Louisville next week, it's just going to be. I just go back to thinking how awesome the atmosphere is going to be up in Indianapolis and Kentucky and Louisville were both there. I mean, Indianapolis 
will be rocking. Scalpers Paradise. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Man, it's not even a word. Scalpers Paradise. I was in uh, Atlanta for the national championship game, and normally, you know, you can get scalp national championship tickets for like eighty, you know, sometimes ninety dollars. Mm-hmm. Louisville, uh, Michigan tickets. Even after the game started, they still wanted like. Two hundred to three hundred dollars per ticket. That's insane. And people were gladly paying two hundred to three hundred dollars. I remember the only time ticket. I ever really did that was um, the Indiana Pacers and the Knicks back when the, you know back in the day when they would go at it. And this is the Pacers Knicks, uh, you know Reggie, Reggie Miller, Miller, John with Spike Lee and all that stuff. And Eastern Conference Finals up in uh, at up in Indianapolis, and I spent one hundred and fifty dollars because I'm a Knicks fan. Um, so that just wow. shows you how much I hate the NBA. <laughs> um, I'm an, so I got up there and, you know, we spent $150 for the mid court, but we were the very last row. And, uh, but you know, it was awesome. You know, it was, I, I really couldn't even tell you who won, but it, it was, it was a lot of fun. So, <laughs> um, that's all that matters. It's all about the experience, man. It's all about the experience. That's right. That's right. Uh, all right. So let's get to the games on Sunday and, and the Sunday games, I think could, end up being a little bit better. Uh, it's going to kick off again in 12-15, Kansas and Stanford. That one just doesn't have a lot of flair to me. I'm sorry. I think yeah. Stanford could be a little bit of a sleeping Stanford, giant. Yeah, Stanford I mean, might be able if, to put them out. With Embiid's not playing, it, you know, which he hasn't been, Stanford's got, uh, you know, they're coached by Johnny Dawkins. Um, they've got two Derby Classic kids on the team, which is, a, you know, whichever team wins is going to have two Derby Classic kids on the team, which is important. <laughs> And uh, I I think Stanford could be they could they could get this one. I mean, I, that, if I was going to pick an upset in this round, that's the one I would do because it beads out. Unfortunately, I actually had New Mexico beating Stanford and then beating Kansas, but I, I agree with you. I think Stanford could put Kansas. I, I had out. the same had New Mexico yeah. beating well. Kansas. They yeah they they disappointed me because that was a they're a good ball club, and well coached, and they just I don't know just didn't show up for a lot of that game with Stanford, but you know. Shout out to the Colonels yesterday, giving Kansas all they wanted and more, and had them on the ropes for a little while. They had it. I mean, they, they, I thought they were gonna pull it out. I thought they were gonna do all right, and then uh, you know, just it just Kansas got kind of got away from them there at the end. I think so, game game I like tomorrow night is the uh, Baylor and Creighton matchup. That's a that's an interesting talk interesting about game. Two separate styles right there. That uh, it could definitely be um, very interesting to see what happens with Baylor and Creighton. Um, Baylor's one of those teams so that would warm. not surprise me to see them just go on a run and, and make it to North Texas. They're in that West we're talking yeah. about. I mean, I think that's definitely a possibility. I'm just, I'm, and I'm not totally sold on Creighton. I think if, I think if McDermott has a guy out there that's really big that can guard him, and that can make it difficult for him to get a shot off. Here's my question with Creighton: Do you let McDermott just go off and don't let anyone else on the team beat you? Or do you just shut McDermott down and make someone else neither of the other guys beat you? Yeah, I think I'm with the latter. I I'm taking McDermott out of the game because he can kill you and you know, as soon as he steps across half court He's in range. You have to yeah, you better be on him. You better be on him as soon as he steps on the court because he's liable to shoot it before half court. I mean, I think I try to take him out and make, make the other four starters and bench players beat me. And they have some other good players, but they really pretty much are a one man team, in we my have, opinion. We haven't been on the air since he hit his three thousandth point, but he hit his three thousandth point in hundred and forty games. And then I sent out a little Facebook message. I'm not Pete sure. Maravich. Maravich had 3,600 points in 83 games. It's insane. And didn't have a three-point Yeah. Line. Crazy. That is nuts. So, just goes to show, he never passed the ball. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> he didn't believe that. in assist. Well, that's kind of what. So I guess that was my what led to my question because I think that's kind of what Rupp said. It's like, all right, we'll let Pete go crazy and have as many points as he wants, but we just won't let anybody else score, and you know, no one else will beat us. If it wins so, ball games, and so be it. Yeah, yeah, whatever works. But Shane, I'm kind of with you on this one. I say, do what you can to uh, to mitigate my man, the big shooter, and then pressure and then put the pressure on everybody else to pick up his slack. You don't have to stop him. But if you can just kind of slow them down and then force everybody else to pick up that slack when they're not used to picking up that slack and put pressure on players that normally don't have the pressure to score on them, right. then I think you can start forcing turnovers and you can force mental mistakes. See how they deal with the pressure and, you know, maybe they press a little bit and, you know, get them off their game. So, yeah, I I, I think it's a no-brainer really. You have to, you know, you have to go after McDermott and just say he's not getting, you know, he's not getting 30 points on us. And well, let him and then, get in a rhythm. I mean, if you're doing that, you obviously have a guy shadowing him who's playing no help, and then as soon Box as he passes it, you're not letting him catch the ball, you're trying to do whatever you can do to let, not let him catch the ball. And that's where having someone who's big and athletic guarding him, I think, could be an issue. I yeah. think, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see how how well he would get open. But I have Creighton advancing. In my break, I have Creighton advancing. So. I've got him in the Final Four. That was my little sleeper, I guess, if you called it a sleeper. I mean, kind of hard to call it a sleeper. It's a three seed, but – I just figured that was one that might might be able to come through that a lot of people probably wouldn't pick. Uh, North Carolina and Iowa State, we just got the news that George Yang has uh, broken his foot for Iowa State, which is a huge loss for them. Uh, this This is a guy that, again, played high school basketball with Nerlens Noel and Wayne Selden, was always kind of overlooked. And when we were sitting in the back, you know, watching these guys play um, – you, the guys, everyone there just loved watching George Yang play because of how much he hustles and how he was the backbone of that group. And uh, I just feel awful. Yang broke his foot and is not going to be available against North Carolina. And I mean, that's sixteen and a half points a game gone. You, well, no, it's a lot more than that. I, yeah, I mean, I think it's like he you say, is, he does everything. He is the heart and soul of that ball club. And so at that point, you've got to give North Carolina the edge against an Iowa State team that's going to have to try to be figuring out, you know, what's going on. Um. Then you have Mercer and Tennessee. Tennessee, the SEC, like we said, is sitting on a potential of having three teams in this in the in the next round. I mean, I would think it's probably likely they're going to have two. I would think that Tennessee and Florida will probably be in the Sweet Sixteen, yeah. and then if Kentucky joins, they could have they could have three. Tennessee, uh, to reiterate what I said with the caller earlier, Quanzo Martin. I can't even imagine how crappy of a day it was for Quanzo Martin the day that Bruce <laughs> Pearl got hired at Auburn, which we haven't really talked a ton about. Damn. Because you know that the Tennessee fans would have loved to have Bruce Pearl back. Oh, and yeah. He's in that shadow. And for him to come out and already you know, get the win against Iowa, which Iowa a lot of people really liked as, as far as the team, and then to do what he did in the, in the first round, or the real first round, I mean, when they just freaking uh, crushed um, – who was the six seed? I'm blanking on that. UMass. UMass, yeah. They blasted. They blasted yeah. UMass. You know, they're going up against this Mercer team kind of on a mission, too, to get some respect. I think that's probably going to be a Tennessee W. I, I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. with the Tennessee. Tennessee's playing excellent ball, and they're playing excellent ball at just the right time. They have great length, great talent. Uh, they can shoot the ball really well, play pretty good defense. I'm, I'm going to go with Tennessee. I, I think Tennessee's going to – it's going to scare a lot of folks. I think they're going to go pretty far in a tournament, a lot farther than what people thought. Yeah, I got to go with Tennessee as well. I mean, they rebound the ball so well. Uh, you know, 
talk about the Jordan length and athleticism. Stokes. Stokes is, I mean, phenomenal player as well. And Martin, like you touched on. And they're just, I mean, they're playing their best ball. It's it's almost kind of like UK recently. It's like this team has figured out how to play as a team. And they're just really, I mean, they're really putting it together. And UMass wasn't a bad team. I mean, they were a good team. And Tennessee just came out and said, right out of the gate, was like, no, you're not playing with us. And this game's over. And they just, I mean, they took it, took them to the woodshed. And I think I think I had Tennessee in the Sweet 16, and and possibly even further. I mean, well, I mean, if they win this one, they yeah, got either Texas or Michigan. Texas or Michigan. That's a t- both those teams they match up with well, and I with their rebounding. So. Yeah, I mean, I, the I think Kwanzaa's done just an unbelievable job this year because they basically have Jordan McRae and Jarnell Stokes, and then you know eleven guys named Steve. <laughs> so. To see how he's gotten the most out of that group, I think he's done an incredible job, and I could see them beating the Texas. I don't know if I could see them beating Michigan. I could see them beating Texas. Texas no. so Michigan's my- guards and experience, I think, would be tough on them. But with ten- I just think with rebounding, I mean, you can get second chance points and just kind of defeat the will of of opponents when you're out rebounding them. So, oh yeah, take their heart out of them because yeah. it happened last time with Kansas State and Kentucky. Kansas State could not get an offensive rebound to save their life if that shot did not go in. They just start running back because they didn't even try to rebound after a while. It was yeah. like, yeah. this is not going to happen. So, shot goes up, does go in. Let's just get back and play defense. Yeah. Good point. Uh, UCLA, Stephen F. Austin. I mean, you, I think UCLA is another team that's starting to play a group. They might have one of the best guard combos in the country right now with Jordan Adams and Kyle Anderson. And uh, Steve Offer's doing a great job there. He's got an incredible class coming in next year. UCLA is going to be back really, really soon, yeah. if not right now. Baylor and Creighton, um, we've kind of touched on already. What did you all think about Virginia last night and going up against Memphis? I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't watch uh, more than like the first four and a half minutes of the ball game. Really? Yeah. Well, Virginia was losing for the majority of that first half, and then they kind of came back and took I mean, control. Coastal Carolina, Coastal Carolina, Coastal, Virginia, Virginia. Yeah. yeah, but Virginia plays Memphis on Sunday. Right. Okay. And now you, you have a team that's incredibly disciplined versus a team that's not incredibly disciplined. That um, Virginia being a one seed, and we talked about Wichita State and Kentucky matchup. I had uh, Wichita State and Virginia both as one seeds getting put out in this this weekend's games. So I, I don't see any chance of Memphis beating Virginia. I really I don't, don't see it either. I think with Memphis's guards, I think you know a lot of times people talk about guard play and, and getting through March Madness because of guards, and you know you got Jackson and uh, Memphis has got a lot of talent. They I mean, got a lot of talent, but they're yeah, not. They do. They're just. I don't know. I mean, they're North Carolina. They're they're a better version of North Carolina. State. You don't know which which team's going to show up, right? The team that beats Louisville by fifteen points, or the team that turns around and loses to William and Mary, or whoever it was at North Carolina would lose to all these teams. And then finally, we got Arizona and Gonzaga. Um, you know, I don't know much about this Gonzaga squad. I know they handled Oklahoma State pretty easily. Um, you know, I think Arizona should win this. What about I, 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 I would not be, be surprised if the Zags. Pull, pull it out. Yeah. There's more upsets potential, I think, in the Sunday games than there are in the Saturday games. Would you all agree with that? Yeah, yeah I think most definitely. Yeah. So, so who? So we go back to the same question. Which ones of the teams that play on Sunday could you see win the national title? Hmm. That's a, that's another tough one. I mean, I don't like any of these teams to win the national. Yeah, title. not really. If Arizona, I had, if I had to pick one, no, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't think Eric because. To me, the thing about the tournament is, is you get tested as you go along, and Arizona's in such a bracket. Yeah, there's a lot of parity, but it's not that 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 one team you can look at and be like, "Ooh, watch out for them." You know, it's like that 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 game. Well, we picked three, out. three and a half, I guess, in the, on the, out of the Saturday games. I mean, are we pretty much saying that the national champion is going to come out of this group that's playing today? Yeah. If I had I to pick one so. on this weekend or in Sunday's games, 
other than Arizona because they're one seed. I almost have to put UCLA in there just because of the way they're playing lately okay. and some of the talent that they've got. Honestly, I would go Kentucky. Man, that would be an unbelievable storyline. That happens. honestly, I would, I would, only because Kentucky's playing great basketball. They have NBA like size and length at every position. To me, it's just that if they can play for a full forty minutes for every game, and yeah. and that to me that that's the 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 hard part going forward for Kentucky. They have the talent. They have all the tools. Of course, they had the talent, the tools all year all year long. But I, you know, to me, it's just all about. Can they play a full forty minutes and play forty minutes focused? Right, and I would say that Kansas would be in that group if they get Embiid. If they get Embiid, yeah, and that's the they had to get through today. And I would almost have to say, as far as who's on upset watch, every single one of the top four seeds that are playing today are on upset watch. I think Iowa State's probably the most likely to get upset. The only one that's not on upset watch, really, to me, is Virginia, and you. I mean, and of course, you all don't totally agree with that. So. All these teams could be on upset watch today. I mean, I, on Sunday, I could see a, situ- a scenario where all all these guys could be in danger. There's, I wouldn't be totally shocked if all four of them lost. Of all of all the uh, well, top four seeds, right? Well, yeah. I mean, we got Kansas could be in trouble. Wichita State playing Kentucky could be in trouble. Iowa State doesn't have Niang. Um, Stephen F. Austin, UCLA. I guess I'd be a little surprised about that one. But Gonzaga could easily beat Arizona. And Baylor, we've already talked about yeah. their length could bother Creighton. Without so. the injury to Yang, I would. I mean, I had Iowa State. I think in the Elite Eight, maybe, and it's. I mean, that was a team that could really be bad news for their opponent, no matter who it was. Well, the only thing that's for certain is that we're going to have a lot to talk about next week. Yeah. Yes, we will. So we will be back here next week, same time, same channel on the Weekend Sports Buzz. We will talk to you guys later.